Hello, and welcome to another episode of Around the Metaverse. I am your host, Packrip Ewing. I'm joined by my co-host, my partner in collecting, my Packrip Media comrade from Canada, Adam Fish. Adam, how are you doing this evening? I am doing very well. Uh, it's been an exciting week in NFT. Aren't they all exciting weeks? There Never are no boring moment. weeks. Never a dull moment. So yeah, excited to talk about some of what's been going on lately. I can't believe that the NBA season is three weeks away, almost two weeks away. It's almost October. Uh, hard to believe. And before the NBA season kicks off, we are blessed with the WNBA playoffs, which a lot of us are tuning into more than usual. I would I would like to guess because of the emergence of WNBA as the part of the NBA Top Shot collecting experience. Um, over the weekend, we got surprised, I think, by a WNBA run it back set, which was celebrating the league's 25th anniversary with 25 of the most historic plays and players over the history of the league. And there was a pack drop on Friday afternoon. I got lucky and hit a pack. How did you do on that pack drop? And have you been collecting or speculating around any WNBA run it back moments? Uh, I ha- I tried for the pack drop and I missed uh, in in both queues. Um, I think the first queue most I think it was more than fifty percent of the people in in the queue ended up getting packs, but I was on the short end of that stick. Um, so I haven't been speculating on it, but I I think I, I was happy to see it do well. I mean, I think you know m- more basketball is good and. I think if this is a way to get fans to be more interested in WNBA basketball and, you know, build more of a relationship with it, then it's great. I mean, I I know you, you went to town on the run it back set. I went to town. Yeah. So I got lucky and hit on a pack. I was on vacation with my wife uh, this weekend. We went out of town to Saratoga in upstate New York, left the kid at home and kind of just had like a adult weekend, you know, kind of like dated each other again for the first time in a long time. Sounds anyone, lovely. Anyone who's a parent knows that like not being with your kid for a few days and the quiet and peace and like lack of responsibility that comes with that is true Nirvana. Um, and in that Nirvana, I found more Nirvana. So I got lucky and hit on the priority queue. Um, I pulled a, a, a pretty solid pack. I mean, four badges across the board. Great moments. Uh, I mean, top shot debut badges for all four moments. And I really liked the theme of the set that it was kind of wrapped around 25 years of WNBA history. And there were some really obviously good players in that. And I love run it back right from an NBA perspective. So this is the first WNBA drop. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, And, you know, I was in the woods. I was kind of reveling in the glory of, of nailing the pack. My wife was getting a massage. I was in like the spa for two hours. And I was kind of just thinking about like, what do I do next? Like I kind of felt the urge to, you know, there's new moments, right? So it's kind of just like exciting. And the marketplace was in maintenance mode for like eight hours because they hit some technical difficulties with the first pack drop. And, you know, they sold out and people kind of got a negative experience when they thought they were getting a pack and then they didn't. Um, so the the second half of the drop got delayed. And eventually, I think it wasn't until like 7.30 or 8 p.m. that the marketplace had reopened and the pack drop experience was complete. And I was home from dinner. I might have had a few drinks. And I had ETH. You know, like, I had some ETH in my account. I had some Dapper balance in my account. And I looked at the marketplace. And 
you know, it was hard because like nobody really knew where to like forecast the the value of the moments. Right. What what's the value compared to run it back to compared to NBA run it back? Right. And obviously the NBA run it back set is very expensive. Yeah. Um, and Lisa Leslie, who obviously her moment is the first dunk in WNBA history. It's from 1999. It's another cool thing about a lot of these moments. A lot of them are from the 99 season, which are technically the oldest moments to exist on Top Shot for now um, and for the time being and for who knows how long, which is just a nice little kind of trivia nugget. And Lisa Leslie was like 900 approaching 1,000, but everything else was like under 500. And I thought to myself, like, I think I could like just swing this and buy the whole thing right now. And I think 75 to 80% of the moments were under 250. I was like, this, these are rare moments. Wow. It's run it back. Um, the mint count was like 850. You know, it wasn't super high. So I just, it felt good. And I just wanted to kind of like ape into it. Um, and you know me, I, I prefer my moments rare or legendary. So to have the opportunity to have like a complete rare set and a complete rare run it back set just kind of spoke to me. So I went for it. It took about 45 minutes to buy all of them. I only missed on like one or two where I got like a, you know, someone else beat me to the punch and all in, it was like $6,300, which is a very sizable chunk of money in, in real world terms. But in the NFT space, 2.1 ETH at the time. And as and you said, that's, that's a full rare set. Twenty WNBA rare, or otherwise, that's, yeah. that's pretty good. 25 rare moments. The first WNBA run it back moments. This very, to me, it's like one of the most deliberate and like well done kind of curated collections that top shot has done 25 moments 25 years of history um pretty cool and and i'm delighted to announce that the the floor for this set is about to eclipse eight thousand dollars so i uh timed the market very well there seems to be a lot of interest um i think right now there are about 15 or 16 other complete set holders so i'm in good company so just so we understand so you had a weekend away from your kid you went for spa day, a lovely dinner with your wife, had a few drinks. You came home and your first thought was, I need to start shopping for WNBA moments. Yeah. I mean, she was asleep. <laughs> My wife goes to bed at like 8 p.m., 9 p.m., even on vacation, even after a two-hour massage. She's just an early bird. And once she's out cold, you know, it's pack up NFT time. That's, that's really it. She's 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 she just went into bed right now. You know, it's eight ten p.m. on Monday, and she's going to be passed out sooner than later. So this God is when, bless her. This is when Daddy gets to work, and uh, you know, <laughs> I, I uh, didn't expect to drop six grand on NFTs on that Friday night, but I did, and I feel really good about it. Well, it wasn't the first time, and won't be the last. That's, but for, I, that's for sure. But, but I think you know it. It is interesting because this set. I mean, we're, I think it's safe to say we're probably never going to get an NBA set like this, right? They're not, I don't think they would have a run it back set that was, you know, the best of the last 25 years, the last 50 years, right? Like they're going to, they have enough, there's enough excitement and enough interest that as we saw with the first run it back set, one season is in all likelihood going to be the plan for any future run it backs. Yeah. And we, or I had speculated prior to this even being the announcement for WNBA that, oh, well, it's the NBA 70th anniversary this year. I think Top Shot is going to be very integrally woven into that celebration in one flavor or another. What if Run It Back is actually a celebration of the league's 75 years? 
And then they did that for WNBA with 25 years. I was like, oh, that's like, how? I mean, it feels kind of fanatic, right, that they would do that. Um, and my excitement and enthusiasm around that pretty much forced them into confirming that that's not happening, not to give myself too much credit. Um, but even in the WNBA blog post for Run It Back, they had announced that there will be an NBA Run It Back coming up soon and that it will be from one season. Um, yes. So I, I feel like that was a direct response to my speculation, perhaps. Um, but uh, whatever they do will be exciting. I, I think that, you know, they've got a lot of momentum right now and there's a lot of enthusiasm around every drop and, and what's, what's coming next. It's nice to know that we're getting more Run It Back and these Run It Back moments were great. I mean, you have the first triple-double in WNBA history, the first dunk in WNBA history, a lot of championship moments, a lot of championship badges. Maya Moore, personally my sleeper pick for best moment in the set. Um, she's currently the second or third most expensive, hovering around like 600 bucks, which is still pretty inexpensive for a rare. It's a it's top shot debut, it's championship badge, and it's rookie season. So the only other moments that exist in that flavor are like Sam Merrill and... Um, the other scrub player that like never gets any minutes, but she's a, she's a good one. She's one of the best players in WNBA history. So highly recommend people check that out. Now top shots exciting, but there's a lot of other excitement happening in the NFT world. And one of those things happens to correlate with people pouring gallons of milk on themselves. Adam, tell us about what's happening in the world of cool cats. I mean, Cool Cats is really a, a an unbelievable story, right? They they launched at I I think point oh six. Point oh two. They launched at point oh six, and then they didn't sell out and lowered the price to point oh two. Oh my god! And and then they sold out, and you know, obviously a very different at the time a very different look from a lot of other uh, generative profile pick projects that had launched it was very kind of cute and kid friendly and since then you know they they had a nice run up and then they were hovering under two for a number of weeks and you know they were sort of up and down 1.3 1.7 as the floor and then all of a sudden the last like week or two it was just a rocket ship and all of a sudden it went from under two to four to six to eight. And now this weekend they became the third PFP project to surpass a 10 ETH floor, which is a real milestone. It's only been punks and apes so far. So they're in very good company and you know, it's, it's shown no signs of stopping. People really love them. Um, I think I'll admit early on, I wasn't crazy about the art, but it's definitely grown on me. I think they're, they're really fun. They make great profile pictures. They're, they're really distinct from each other. You can look at different ones and they, it's very obvious the differences, right? Some projects, they sort of, they look more the same, more uniform. These ones don't, you could easily see them becoming you know, uh, a TV show or toys or something. 100%. It's it's such an easy sell. They have a lot of character to them. And people have been celebrating um, by chugging milk. Uh, I guess it has some controversial origins that I am not totally clear on. But um, but yeah, people are people are excited. People love the cats. It's, you know, it's 
between these and gutter cat gang you know the the internet was cats web 1.0 was cats and web 3.0 seems like it's pretty much still cats and let's not forget stoner cats everyone's favorite cat nft project stoner cats uh pernelope's i mean there, yeah. there's no there's no shortage of cat projects and and there seems to be room for all of them truly and you know what it's one of those lessons to me where sometimes it's right under your nose and you just have to like change your mind about it um you know plunge father everyone in the plunge in very early yeah all about cool cats i was giving him shit because he would just in his stream his top shot show talk about it nonstop. and i was like dude stop shilling these damn cats <laughs> and i was like oh my god why wasn't i listening to plunge father when this thing was like you know so inexpensive and uh, him and and andrew uh, Andrew Wang, who was recently on Jeremy's podcast, NF Teach, who I spent time with in Vegas. He was telling me about them the whole time. He's like a very OG cool cat collector. Um, and I, I similar, I didn't love the art. You know, I kind of think when it was really inexpensive, you have this mindset where it's like gas is more expensive than the NFT. I don't want to waste my money on it. And then one day you wake up and it's just too late. And the other really interesting thing about it, other than like sometimes winners are there all along and you just have to be patient. I think people are very, you know, impatient in this space and they're they're expecting an ROI it's obscene in a week or overnight. Yeah. And it happens. Like there are instances of that. But these slow builds, these very organic communities pop up around a lot of these projects, similar to what's happening in some other projects that we'll talk about. And eventually that dam gets broken down and the floodgates open and it's just all systems go. And I think that, you know, for me, if something lingers around for that long and it's even picking up steam slowly and the community is strong and like genuinely nice. Um, now I know like it's a buy signal. Like as long as the community stays engaged, there isn't really a ceiling on where the project can go. Um, I think I was also really turned off by like the, the time magazine partnership that felt very kind of like cynical. But when I learned more about the project from Andrew and like the artist and, and how this was really his life's work, um, my tone changed. I just never bought in, and that's a bummer. But it just also goes to show how quickly things can change when they start changing. Um, yeah. And that floor, I mean, listen, ten ETH is a lot of money. A yeah. lot of money. Um, yeah. So and and I, people. I, no, I I think you you really hit on it. You know, it's when when things are sort of not every project moves with the same pattern. Right. Right. Like not everything just either moons or dies and that's it. So a project like this, it was just sort of hovering for in, in NFT terms a long time. And this is why I think we talk about being here for the right reasons, getting to know the community, doing the research, because as you said, you know, the, the community really positive, really welcoming and they just they loved it they love the art and when you see people shilling a project that hard not because they're pump and dumping but because they genuinely love it then that should say something right like it's you got to notice that and say okay i know that this thing hasn't mooned but it's just kind of chugging along and people are really excited about it and a lot of people, people that keep talking to me about it are not looking to sell. They're not looking to list. So if that trend continues, eventually the market's going to notice. And that's what happened, right? This stuff is not, 
very few projects go in, you know, they go parabolic and right out of the gate and that's it, right? It's, it's often, and we've seen it a number of times that it's slowly, 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 and then moon. And you have to have gotten in and been patient enough to hang around to wait until it was ready to moon to, in order to benefit from it. Because, you know, I'll admit I, I, I had a couple, I didn't buy super early on, but I think I bought when it was just underneath and I sold around one and a half a, f- a few weeks ago. It's, it's been a while now, but I made a little bit on it, but I just, I wasn't super invested. I wasn't super engaged in it. And I just sort of got bored and, and moved on. And, you know, that's, that's the risk that you run is that you miss a real, you know, not once in a lifetime, but at least so far thrice in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. We've all had those moments. We've all sold a little too early or it's part of the game lost interest. You can't look back in, in anger to quote our good friends at Oasis, but there are a lot of other projects that are gaining momentum and have a passionate community and whether they're the next to join that prestigious 10 ETH PFP club, or they're just going to continue to grow, maybe never reach that, those highs, but still, you know, it's not always about the money, but make a healthy return for people that decide to buy it and sell it. Um, plenty to talk about. I ran a poll today asking um, some people what they thought, and, and there are a lot of responses, but three in particular that we want to just quickly touch on tonight are, are dead fellows, robotos, and creatures, all of whom have kind of seen a pretty healthy climb over the weekend um, and a very passionate community, all of whom are kind of relatively new, um, you know, have been around for maybe less than a month, which seems like a long time in NFT time, but really it hasn't been that long. Adam, which one of those three stands out the most for you if you have any of them? And what do you think are some like trends that are consistent across these other projects that break through that one ETH wall and then kind of gain steam a little bit? Yeah, so so I I have all three, um, oh, and and I and I like all three. Um, so it was it was a good weekend for me, I'll admit. Um, but yeah, you know, I I think there's no there's no question in my mind that some of these smaller projects running is directly related to the cats doing what they've done, right? In the same way that there was no way that apes were going to get to forty. Well, punks were at forty. Apes got to forty when apes were at when punks were at hundred, right? And and cats got to ten with apes at forty. So you sort of have this hierarchy, and as as one moves up, others come in and fill in the gap. So now that cool cats have run up, you're going to see some other projects, which which led to your poll today, um, that are going to come up and fill that five, six, seventieth gap, and as a result. I think we've seen now, you know, whether it's people taking profits on cool cats or just people looking for the next one. So, you know, Dead Fellas is I I believe the oldest of the three between those three. Um, very cool project. Um, again, the art is it, it's 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 sort of morbid, but also very cute looking. I think they make good profile picks too. Um, I think the timing is great with those leading into Halloween because I, I know they have some stuff planned around Halloween and you know with sort of that the the dead theme I think it'll I think th- those will do yeah. well over the next while. We've seen uh, a lot of Halloween theme projects pop up. Not not fungible bones last week. It yep. seems like it's Halloween NFT season. And yep. quickly, I just want to add 
with Deadfellas, I, I personally, I, I think I missed it completely. I, I don't know how or or why or, or what. I'm not in the right circles, I guess. But um, about an hour ago, the creative director and, and co-founder of the project, a woman named Betty, um, tweeted something. And I just want to read the tweet because it's always nice to know, like, the people behind these projects that are actually For having sure. their lives changed by this tremendous success, not just the collectors that are making a few grand. No, um, absolutely. I'm a woman raising three daughters under six. Still, uh, still breastfeeding my youngest. I built and ran a multi-million-dollar project and brand from my home, changing my life and my children's lives. I am my own dreams come true, and herein lies the power of NFTs. Oh, you love to see it. Like honestly, that's just a beautiful. You love term. to see that. That is that's wonderful. I love that. Yeah. No, I I think it's it's cool art. Um, I'm not crazy about the rarities, how they're set up, to be honest. But um, but I really like the the art and and. I think they're a lot of fun. Again, I think similar to the Cool Cats, I could totally see them being, you know, characters in a TV show. I think they have they have a lot of personality. Um, Roboto's, I mean, a great story there. You know, Pablo Stanley, the artist, his art was ripped off for another project. Um, and instead of, you know, hanging his head, he launched a project that is... Co- I mean, hugely superior to yeah. to the other one. It's not even not even a question, um, and is you know pumping out. It, it hasn't even been out for that long, but pumping out airdrops. It was a little bit more expensive at mint. It was point two two, and it was hanging around below mint for a while after really after launch. I think even last week. Yeah, uh, and then you know, it, people just started to realize that the art is a lot of fun. You know, I think. From a from a profile picture perspective, I think it'll be interesting to me to see the the ones that are gifs as opposed to just static images. Yep. How those translate? Because at least right now, you know, you can't use it as your Twitter profile. You could you could take a, a screen grab of it and use it, um, but it's not as easily transferable to using as a Twitter profile pic as a static image. So, you know, I'm I'm curious if that acts as a little bit of a barrier um what do you i don't what, what do you think about that i uh i don't think it acts as a barrier. i'm seeing a lot of roboto profile pictures i think that a lot of people that have it in their bag you know when it's pumping they switch their profile picture so that they support the cause uh sure mildly i am one of the poor souls that uh aped into metabots really hard and really hard i mean like they were they were dollars um, yeah they were very inexpensive. I think I bought 10 or 20 Metabots for like two, 300 bucks. It wasn't a lot. I liked them. And uh, and I did not buy Robotos. And I learned about the whole story. And, you know, Sotvik, um, who's a very popular guy in the in the Twitter NFT space, was kind of an evangelist for exposing the Metabots fraudulent activity. Yes, and he was. Putting yeah. Pablo on this platform and, and letting people know this is the artist. He's really great. And then Pablo's like, I'm going to make this project. And I don't, I don't know what happened and i just never got in <laughs> and like i think even last week i wanted to buy i had the eth i was looking at them i was i didn't like love one it was like the gas is really high and i was like i always have trouble justifying minting something when the gas is like equal to or more than the mint cost um and shame on me because now the floor is like 1.5 like you said right you yeah, it back. we we miss all the time we miss all the time um, for sure Creature World is one that I, I bought into later. I think I, I paid over an ETH for the one that I have um, because I didn't get in early as I should have. But that that's one that 
um, you know, the art is really unique. Um, Danny is an artist that's been, that's I think gotten quite a bit of mainstream, had had a, a reasonable amount of mainstream success before launching this project. Um, do you have a creature world? I have two creatures. So I, I immediately like saw the creature world art and recognized it. Like I used to live in, in Brooklyn and Manhattan. I'm, I could swear that I've seen like posters of this in the past. Right. Um, and when it came out, I, I immediately was like, that's cool. I really like it. I think a community popped up around it really fast. Um, I didn't mint just because I typically don't mint things anymore. Um, I just wait a day or two and see what happens. Uh, but I got one at point four, and then I bought a second one with the creature friends background um, for one ETH. So I have I have two of them. Um, I really like them. I, I love the vibes. I, I just love the art genuinely. I think that it has. Um, it reminds me a lot of Keith Haring. I feel like it's a very similar style, um, and I just think that he, you know, Brian Brinkman, I think, who's a an artist verified on Twitter, and he's done a lot of projects. He uh, also also likes creatures a lot and Roboto's. And I think his investment philosophy around NFTs is: I want to buy a project where the artist is the founder and the artist mm-hmm. is like a real artist, and they are not going to let the project fail because it is their life's work. This art, and that's the same. Fa- cool Catch is the same thing, right? Like right. when the artist is the founder and their pride and like artistic reputation is on the line for this project it goes a little harder. And I think that people recognize the art and I mean, I love them. So the, the story as of right now, about an hour ago is Shaq um, bought one. He actually bought two and he made one, his profile picture. And he has about 15 or 16 million followers on Twitter. So Shaq on Twitter right now is a, is a creature. Um, people are freaking out. The floor doubled in the past hour. I think the floor right now is around 2.5. Um, and there is a lot of enthusiasm. Also, uh, over the weekend, I believe Danny kind of launched this. Danny Cole, who was the artist behind Creatures, launched this kind of scavenger hunt where people got airdropped seven different pieces of a playground. One of seven. One of seven. Right. Yes. One of seven. Yeah. And the goal was basically like work with strangers and collect all seven. And it was like an exercise in trust. There was very little detail. I managed to just, you know, use my social media following and flex and yell loud enough. Um, this was shortly after, I think, buying all the. WNBA run it back moments. So I had a lot of energy going on. Um, and I was able to acquire all seven through the community uh, with complete strangers who I'm now friends with on Twitter and Discord uh, in about like half an hour. We don't know yet. There's going to be some sort of game, I think, continuing from this. But uh, yes, I need to get on that. Yes, yeah. I, I I still am sitting with my rainbow and I need to uh, <laughs> I need to put a, a group together. So I think probably after we finish recording, I'll probably put a, a call out for for some assistance. For sure. And I think the common trend is, you know, very strong, passionate communities and artist led projects. Um, with, with and I, I think art. it's, it, you know, it's it's such a good point because in, in, in you know, I don't want to pretend that the NFT community is is perfect. I mean, it has it has issues like any other. And Far from it. You know, yeah, sure. But but I do think that one thing about it that is pretty remarkable is, you know, in in so many other areas of society, the artists, the creatives are sort of, they take a backseat, right? Like it's, it's the business side that runs things and they kind of put the artists in a box that to do something that's going to make money and here's the parameters around it and go do your art. Um, where here, 
artists can just create something on their own. They don't need, you know, like you think about the film industry and, you know, actors, directors, uh, the, the various crew members, they're artists, but it's the, the people making the movies, funding the movies are saying like, well, we need another superhero movie. So make that and go have fun with it. But right. we need some IP that we're going to make money off of. The art wraps around the business. That's right. Right. Where here, it's not. Here, the, the artist can be, to your point, the artist can be the founder. The artist can be the driver of the project. And the business side kind of just happens around the art. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was, I was thinking earlier, you know, like what happens when you go to RISD or some really good art or design school for college and like NFTs are part of your curriculum if, and when that happens. But if you're 18 or 19 and you could almost pay your tuition through NFT projects that are part of your, you know, four year education, that would be game changing. And then you could actually come out of art school, not only not in debt, but like knowing how to monetize or build a, a, a community around your creative passion. A hundred percent. I, you know, I saw that on, on Twitter and I think, I mean, that was a great point. Like, it, you know, if you're, if you're running a photography program, let's say, why wouldn't you include in that, Hey, here's a potential money-making avenue for this. Not just, Hey, learn this art and then good luck in the world that doesn't appreciate your art rather like, why not say instead, Hey, learn this art. And also, by the way, here's this new and innovative channel for you to show your art to millions of potential buyers, hundreds of thousands for now. Well, let's assume it'll be millions soon enough. Yep. And, and people, you might be able to find people that appreciate it and you'll be able to actually make money off this. Not, oh, I'm, you know, I can make 200 bucks licensing a picture to a magazine, but like, Oh, I, I might be able to sell a photograph for five ETH and it's life-changing money. Absolutely. And listen, it's not all about the money, right? Like we we're just like, let that be clear to anyone listening. We're not just trying to like make it all about money when it comes no, to you're right. for the art. But one way or another, if you're pursuing something and you're trying to learn how to get better at something, it is your intent to spend your life doing it and you need to make money to live. So I think where this comes into play and where the beauty of NFTs kind of come into the picture is that rather than compromising your artistic integrity or vision to make someone else money or kind of apply your talents to someone else's vision, you now have the freedom and flexibility to take your passion, your vision, your art, and build your own way to support yourself around it. And that's what's exciting. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's an important distinction. You know, obviously if we're buying, you know, to, to buy an NFT for one ETH, you're not hoping it's going to go to zero, right? Like you're hoping it's going to be two ETH eventually or more. Um, but the byproduct of that is that this money is flowing to founders that are going to do cool shit that, you know, we saw, we saw the board ape roadmap roll out and like, it's a lot of cool in there. there's, there's a lot of cool shit in there. I mean, there's stuff that we don't even know what it is yet, but we're, you know, Mobile games, blockchain games. They, uh, they're, they're, they say they're going to build a real club in Miami. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're filing trademarks for clothing and children's toys and all kinds of things. So, you know, I think it's the, the money is also, it's not just, Hey, I want to make money on my NFTs. Cause you know, I, I also just enjoy them, but the money is also 
kind of a means to giving these artists and these creators funding to a make a living at their art where they couldn't before and b giving these creatives this money to say hey there are no constraints around you what are you going to do what like what are the what's the board team going to do with 90 million dollars you know what's what are the the cool cats team going to do with the 15 or 20 million that they've made from from the mint passes or the the gutter cats gang excuse me um from the money that they've made from the mint passes that are coming up. So, you know, we're also, this is also a mechanism for funding some really creative people to experiment with some wild stuff. And those are the things that, that are going to contribute to what web 3.0 is going to look like. It's going to come from this experimentation and that's, what's fun. It's very fun. And I think that the communities that build around these NFT projects really happen in two places. And, and one of them is Discord and one of them is Twitter. And obviously in Discord, a lot of the most successful projects have some sort of collab land integration where you could verify ownership of the yep. project. And that access, that gives you access to certain channels. Yep. It looks like Twitter is rolling out a similar verification approach to make an NFT that you own your profile picture and only your profile picture. Adam, I know you've been reading up on this. Do you want to tell everyone a little bit about what Twitter looks like they're planning and what you know about it so far? Yeah, so, I mean, there's not a ton of details on it yet other than to say that they have said that they're going to roll out some kind of NFT authentication system where it will it, it will verify with your wallet that you are the owner of this profile picture. So it, it, I think your your analogy is is right on. It's basically the equivalent of if anyone has used Collabland to verify their ownership of an NFT for access in a discord, we, we imagine it'll be the same kind of idea where you'll have to verify it one way or another. And, you know, there's nothing to stop someone from copying and pasting your picture and using it as their own profile, but there will be some check mark just is the same way that, you can impersonate a celebrity, but you're not going to get the Twitter blue check. Someone else can use my ape, but they're not going to get whatever the NFT equivalent of the blue check is. And it's just going to be a way to add authenticity that if someone is using an NFT as a profile picture, it's, you know, once you have that authentication, it's, you're assured that that person actually owns it. They're not bullshitting. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we saw Twitter, obviously dipped their toe in the NFT waters earlier this year with a very limited edition, I believe 140 yep. uh, NFT drop that was wildly popular. Obviously they kind of gifted that to you know, influencers and strangers, but um, sure. that was their first kind of NFT experiment. And it seems like they have recognized that they are where NFT conversations happen and blossom. For sure. Yeah. And this is a huge opportunity for them. And I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, I've had, um, you know, an all-star freak, Patrick Ewing, Patrick Ewing um, avatar for quite a while now. Uh, I had an actual imitator pop up over last week, um, which was fun. That's the first time. That's how you know you've made it, I think, when people start impersonating you on social media. Absolutely. Um, and starting um, Reddit threads about you, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> and, you know, I think that, it's it's a it's a huge validation for NFTs and for the NFT community, and it's only going to help everyone here really kind of cement the permanence of NFTs 
uh, on social and in real life. So exciting times. We'll uh, we'll see what's happening this time next week when we kind of get together for our third episode of Around the Metaverse. Any closing thoughts while we uh, wrap things up, Ad? Yeah, you know, I I think just on on the Twitter point. I mean, I I thought it was a big deal, and the more I've thought about it, the the bigger deal I think it is. Um, because I think up until now, you know, if if you're sort of a, a regular folk. And you're not really a basketball fan, so you don't care about Top Shot, and you don't really care about different profile pictures and things. There's never been anything. There's never been a, an NFT use case yet for you to care about. And, but if there's, if it, if there is an NFT that adds as a gate, acts as a gatekeeper to NF to social media clout, that's something that a lot of people care about. So. I think the idea of seeing these people with a check mark and you're, you know, a regular social media person and you don't know how to get that check mark, you're going to want it. You're going to want to learn how to get it. For sure. So I, I you know, I think it's exciting. I think these are exciting times. I'm I am hopeful that seeing some of these smaller projects um start to run up in in the aftermath of the Cool Cat success. Um, is maybe going to be the start of sort of a, a new NFT bull market. Um, not that any of us can really complain. There hasn't been a bear market for too long, but you know maybe we're on the cusp of uh, of a next leg up. We'll see. Uh, but there's there's always something exciting. It's it is really never a dull moment. There's I've never I've never experienced anything like what the last six or so months have been. Me what neither. About you? What do you got? Uh, I'm, I'm about to go interview the KB24 NFT people, um, which I'm very excited about. This has been in the works for almost a week. I am, uh, looking forward to having a nice civil conversation with these gentlemen and learning more about their intentions with the, uh, estate of the legend Kobe Bryant and, uh, really just seeing what October has in store for us. We know that the NBA season is coming back and Top Shot is going to rip, um, I know we're both excited about that. It's, yeah, that, now, that, now that the season's less than a month away, I mean, it's yeah, I got goosebumps. Like it's it's this. I think this. And I know we said it last year, but this NBA season, I think, is really going to be the most exciting one yet. Yeah, it'll be nice to have a lot of players back. It'll be nice to have Top Shot even more deeply integrated into the league, and it'll be nice to be you know deeply involved with it, kind of bringing it to life and talking about it every week on the show. So. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will be back next week for another episode of Around the Metaverse. I am Packer Buing. I am joined by my good friend, Adam Fish, and we look forward to hearing from you soon. We'll see you on Twitter. Visit us on packeretmedia.com or anchor.fm slash packeretmedia for all of the latest work that we've been doing. Lots of good stuff going on, and we'll see you around the Metaverse.